0: Hi everybody. Welcome back. This is Julie Knudsen with the podcast Training the Pointing Labrador. Episode number 143 today. Just a little bit late because uh, I was in North Carolina judging a American Pointing Labrador Association test, which was a whole lot of fun. Just got back late last night. So I'm going to get the this week's podcast going because I have a lot of dogs to train and things to do. Met some great people. Uh, I haven't been out on the, I'm going to call it the East coast for us out here. That's the East coast, Raleigh, North Carolina is the East coast. Um, and I haven't been out on that part of the country doing this pointing lab stuff for a long time. Not that long, but some years. And I will have to say that the dog work ha, is dramatically, I mean, it's good. There were, I saw good dogs and I saw good handlers and I saw ones that were, you know, good in the upland field and it was real and it was a, I, it was, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, there are some good dogs and people are, they know what they're doing. So my compliments to the people breeding those dogs and training those dogs and handling those dogs. Uh, it was impressive and it was, it looked really good. We had some Michiganders. Hi guys. Come down. So they count, uh, to, they, those guys are, uh, it just people are doing a really good job and, and I'm just it's such a nice thing to see so that partly um, Spawned the podcast that I wanted to do today because I was you know, I, I love judging Only because I just love studying uh, People and dogs. I live in a bubble really, you know I just live kind of out in the middle of nowhere and I train dogs for people that I've trained dogs for 25 years for, uh, and I train, you know, we have my clients at my training group and, and, uh, know, I beat them over the head. They all have to do everything just the right way. And the, you, I just get real used to seeing how it is right here. And so it's very good for me to get out into, you know, places that are just completely not in my bubble and watch and see what people do. And, uh, I just learn from that all the time. And so that's, again, what I want to talk about. I, it just was fascinating for me to to just think about. And I spent some time after the test with some of the, a, a few of the handlers, uh, just talking about uh, handling and, and uh, handling of the dog. We didn't talk about much of the dog training thing at all because people were doing a darn good job of it. But the dog handling thing is something that I can get better doing. And so can everybody else and that I just want to if I could help people that are doing this putting lab thing Successfully, I would you know because they're doing so much So, uh, so well Would be let, let's go after the next the, the next lowest hanging fruit here on how we can do things, you know, even more successfully and more uh, more efficiently in terms of the dog So I want to talk about just handling a dog and I don't, It goes at all levels, all stuff. And I'm going to again, use my retriever related or upland dog related stuff, but I know that this works for all the stuff. I know that because I've done some of the other stuff with totally other kinds of dogs, but let me just take you on a little bit of trip so I can tell you where we're going on this. If you think of somebody who's very good at something, and let's use uh, Olympic athletes. If you look at an Olympic athlete, and I'm going to start, let's, since every, a lot of people on here are gun folks, let's just say you are looking at the thing where they, they're shooting rifles, right? If you watch a very good person doing their rifle work, and of course the military guys, are in this category as well. When you watch them, you're just watching them in whatever position they're in and whatever distance they're shooting and whatever their objective is. If you watch them and their gun, right, there's two things there. They are not doing anything but an intensely focused movement is really other than getting the gun and themselves into position. There's not really any more movement than that. And the focus, of that individual that's doing that literally goes through that, that weapon to the end result, which is so many hundred yards out there, whatever it is. I'm not a rifle expert, so forgive me if I'm a little off on something, but it's just great intensity. Um, and, and it's, there's all of the energy. If you could see it, if it was illuminated is focused very tightly, and not sitting there in his shoulders and her, or her shoulders and arms and hands, but it goes through them, through that piece of equipment and out towards that title. That's where all uh, t- target, that's where all of that goes. Now, if you take another athlete, let's take a, uh, let's take a, let's take a gymnast. Let's take a floor gymnast or, uh, any gymnast. But if you take a gymnast and they're about to do uh, this, you know, Double twisting pike flip thing on the you know, and they have to stick the landing. And there's a so much to do. This if you see them as they're preparing to do that, are they jumping around, waving, talking, shaking hand, arms out? Get I mean, they just become so very still, and their focus is not on the people around them looking at them. It's not where it's nothing, but it is in front of them on this trajectory that they have. That they are going to go across the diagonal of that thing and then go do their thing. And it is a single line focus, very much like that rifle. And it's going to be, take the shot putter, take a shot putter, you know, those big guys with those big, huge shot puts that they're, that they're throwing and you watch them when they do that. You know, granted they warm up, they do stuff. And when they get into that little ring thing that they get into and they're going to do that, they are not jumping up and down and yelling, Hey coach, I'm ready. They're just so completely intensely focused on themselves and anybody that's done a sport well, I think you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. And you become, you just shrink into the, shrink literally into the activity that you are going to carry out. And you basically become that. There's no difference between you and this objective. And so the shot putter, you know, very still, their mind is very collected on what they are going to wind up doing. And then every single movement that any of these people undertake is in the direction of, of obtaining the goal of meeting this objective. There is no extra stuff. They are, there's nothing that doesn't contribute entirely to this end objective. And those are the people that are extremely good. Now to some people who have never heard been around me, uh, my clients have gone, oh no, here she goes again. Um, <clears throat> in this activity that we have, it is exactly the same. It is exactly the same. Now, if you go watch people run events. And you you see the variety of behaviors that you that are on the line when people are running dogs Uh, You'll go now. I don't I don't know what she's talking about. I don't I don't see that here But you do sometimes So and, and all of this is my opinion I'm not telling anybody how to do anything if you like what you're doing with your dog and it's getting you everything you want and you're comfortable Just keep right on going because ultimately you have to be very very comfortable with what you're doing. But I want to talk about handling a dog and just give people something to think about when they go out and work with their dog by themselves or in a training group. It makes no difference. It's when you and your dog are together. Okay. So because we're talking about the end objective, I don't know when people go to work their dog, if they go and say, all right, what is my ultimate objective? It's not what I'm going to get today. It's not what I'm actually literally doing today, but what is my ultimate objective? So if you're serious about your dog training and your dog handling, if you're really serious about it, just like any of those athletes that I talked about, and there's you name any sport, I don't, any sport, I'll take swimming. That's the one I know a lot about. Same deal. You don't waste any ocean, any motion. You don't waste a single molecule of oxygen. Nothing is wasted everything goes toward the end goal and it is that way in handling dogs, or at least it can be. But it's a real different way of thinking for a lot of people. So the end objective that I was talking about. So, you know, you, your end objective is uh, you want to get a Grandmaster Point Retriever. People that I, and almost everyone there had that and more. Uh, or I want to get a four time. Or I want to go to uh the HRC Grand. I want to go to the master national or I just want a senior hunter title. I don't care what it is. As far as I'm concerned, that changes absolutely nothing because I'm going to approach a junior hunter dog handling, running, training the same way I am for a master national hall of fame dog or a dog that's we're going for an open win with. It's no different. Just like, you know, the, uh, the guy that's shooting the rifle, or the one that's throwing the shot put, they're doing very different things, but they have a goal and they are completely engrossed in that goal. Even though what they do every day, you know, is not shooting a target at so many hundred yards or is not literally throwing the shot put out there and measuring the distance. You do a lot of different things, but your end goal is that day, game day, whatever that is for you, when the whole thing has come together. where. All of the pieces that you need, the training pieces are present and then you are going to execute. And that's what we're talking about today. We are going to execute the whole compilation of all the training things we've done to do the very best job we can in doing the very best job we can. Like all of these athletes that I talked about, it's not just the athletes, It's going to be the guy, the head of the debate team. It's going to be the same thing when you, all of these athletes waste no energy where it doesn't contribute. They waste no effort where it doesn't contribute. They make, they they spend, and in the end, when I talk about energy and we're going to talk about running dogs, it takes a lot of forms but you want all of your energy to be directed in one direction. And for us, if you're running a set of marks or you're running a blind, it is to get from where you start to where that bird is out there as directly as as um as focused, <laughs> disturbing as little ground as possible and preferably with a little bit of style getting out there. Okay, that's the goal on whichever one of those things you do. And when you're in the upland field, It's no different. I want, this dog is going to go in the field. I want them to cover the ground appropriately, not geometrically, appropriately, using the wind, not missing, and dogs know, experienced dogs, they know, you know, if they miss, didn't cover a piece of ground, they know. And so they know how to cover the ground in a way that goes with what you're doing and cover it while staying with you and locating the bird. And being focused, focused on that, not constantly yammered at and directed and corrected. And then when they find that bird, everything is done. That's what I'm talking about on end objectives. And the way we handle our dogs is a huge piece of that. And again, some people I know are very aware of that. And other people are probably going, I have no idea what this lady's talking about. So, and I'm going to use the term energy a lot because energy takes a lot of forms when we are, uh, working our dogs. One of the forms that energy takes is sound, right? Sound. This is going to be the sound of your voice. It's going to be the whistle. It's going to be, I don't know if it's anything else that you use. Those are primarily the two things in the retriever world that we use is your voice and your whistle. And so if you speak quietly, like I am calmly, like I am right now, this is a fairly low energy. Uh, it's not like I was whispering. Um, I need everyone to hear this, but it's a a fairly low energy. I, my, we're not going, you know, we're not, the amplitude isn't all over the place. Go high, low. We're just sort of staying on a real calm thing. And the reason I speaking to you in this kind of a voice, and every now and then I get a little excited about stuff, but that's intentional, is that So you're not listening to my voice and watching, going, Hi, oh, she's an emotional person, but so that you're getting the content of what I'm saying. Anyone that speaks to people in a teaching form knows that unless you have to get their attention back, uh, generally if they are listening to you, you want them to get the content, not be caught up in the sound of your voice or whatever. So there's energy in your voice and the way when you talk to a dog, how you speak to them is either kind of a nice, comfortable energy, could be way high energy. It could be angry, (laughs) loud or not loud. Okay. That's one form of energy that is a tremendous factor to a dog. I know there's a lot of loud people who are just loud. Dogs Uh, Now they will get used to that. And then if they are used to loud all the time, then if you're not loud, they probably won't pay any attention. So the, the sound that you make or your whistle, if you blast a whistle three feet in front of you, that's the same as screaming. Just think about it. It's the same as screaming. They can hear a a regular whistle. If you're going to blast it right there, then you're yelling. So that's a very high energy situation. The other part, I'm going to stay associated with sound, so you have literally the decibel level. Is it quiet or are you screaming or are you, whatever. The other part of that is the emotion that goes with that. That is an energy dogs are, to which dogs are very sensitive, very sensitive. Again, very often we are not sensitive or very sensitive to these things. So we just assume it's the same for our dogs and we would be wrong. So if you have a, whenever you have a tone of voice and those of you that have trained and seen this, maybe you understand what I'm talking about. I know there's a lot of people and I train people who are are new to this and they're a little bit afraid of the whole thing. And so the fear is in their voice. They're afraid of doing it wrong or they're afraid because they don't know what they're doing and the, and the fear is in there and the dog feels the fear. Now they're not going, ah, that's fear that I, sense. And that's because they've never done this before. And so they're, they they do not do that. They sense that this person is fearful and the fearful critter is the least dominant one. So that can impact some dynamics, but the emotions So if you have a little fear or intimidation, or, you know, you're just a little bit reticent about the whole thing that is right there. in that dog's right on his screen. You're just telling him that, uh, anger, Frustration, you can't hide that. You can't hide that. You probably almost can't hide it from anybody. You cannot hide it from a dog. If you're angry, they feel anger. And generally, what they do is whatever happens when you're angry to them, they make that association. So they're going, Oh, he's mad. This is going to happen. And so now we are caught up in other thoughts other than our end objective. So you could have frustration. You can have anger, you can just have, I'm tired and I want to get through this and get it over with, which is a sort of a frustration. So you have your decibel level, you have the emotion that's in your voice and your, in you. And so those are two of the forms of energy that, that are strongly felt and strongly impact your animal, what they're thinking and what they do. The next one that I'm going to bring in on this is your movement. Movement. Movement is how animals uh, communicate since they don't sit there and send text messages. The dog dog pack out in the wild does not send text messages, or smoke signals, call on the phone. They sound is a little bit of it, but body language is everything. That is the language they speak. It is their language. You can tell by body body language who the big dog is, who the big dog is not, who's mad, who's, uh, you know, being subservient, who's afraid, all of that. They speak through body language. And so they, they, I don't know that we are aware we're speaking to them, (laughs) but, but they're speaking to us. That's why if you look at a dog, what do they look like when they're sitting there? Are the, are the, are the ears down? Is, are the shoulders down? Is the tail down? You know, where's the position? Is that, is it up? Are they upset? Are they anticipating? Are they tuning you out? Their body tells you all of that, all of that. But you of course have to actually pay attention to it. Similarly, your body does the same thing. So when you move a lot, that is the sort of the dog equivalent of talking a lot. So when you move a lot, what is it you're communicating to them? So I know a lot of people, They think if I step up, it means this, if I step back, it means that, um, and then if they're not right, so then I move them again. So what, what, and what I saw a fair amount of this weekend and I see everywhere is, you know, oh, the dog's not, I gotta have him lined up straight. You're trying so hard, right? We're trying so hard. He's not right. I'll back him up. I'll bring him up again. Now he's the other way. Okay. I'll move him over here. No, let me start over. And we got movement, 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 movement. And because you're trying to get everything right. That's what's in your mind. Do you know what's in the dog's mind when you're doing that? It would be the same as if I just sat here and sped up my talking and talked really fast and went over about five things at the same time and then went back and reviewed something and told you something else and then mentioned something that happened at the airport and then came back. All right, you're going, I'm not getting anything out of this. And I'm, I'm matter of fact, I'm getting a little frustrated and now I'm going to get a little worried because I don't know what's happening. Are you going to be mad? I don't, it's very confusing to dogs, but all of the things that I'm talking about here, the decibel level of your voice, uh, the emotion that you bring in there with you and your movement, none of that has any, is helpful to the end objective. None of it it is in your mind. You're going, okay, I need to get them lined out at that green bush out there and I need to get that and they need to be straight and I need, and I need this and oh, and he's not listening. So I'm going to get like, Oh, this is not, I have to go. And you've got, you've got all three of them. You've got movement and you've got loud and you've got emotion. And again, that would be like our, uh, shot putter. No, at my gym. I'll just go to the gym. That's the one that's going to do the big floor routine. She's about to, you know, do this thing, break her neck. If she doesn't do it right, Or him, everything's a him or her. Rare, okay. It, it's just dangerous. And they're over there, find looking where mom is over in the, in the, in the audience. And then coach, 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 and they get, and then they're doing that. and Then they're pulling their leotard down, and they get out, and their hair stuck. They, they aren't doing that. That doesn't help anything. That hurts everything it pulls all the energy, it pulls the focus, it pulls all the things which will make them do this really well, just takes it out. So after they've done all that, and then they go, take a big breath, here I go, the odds of success are far less than if that person had gotten over in the corner, done whatever little thing they do, breathing thing, with the mind on the execution of this trajectory going out there. So I will say this about dogs this is my opinion now it's very much it to, to me it's a trajectory like that like the the uh, shot put like the gymnast um like the rifle shooter it's a trajectory i have this this thing with me this this thing and we are we are together we are connected like the shooter and his gun like the shot putter and his shot put right like the gymnast and their body that they're going to send on the trajectory. I am completely connected with this dog. We are basically one thing. And we are, the, the entire energy and focus and intensity is out there on that, the last bird down. Or that really hard memory bird way up the middle, can't see it. That is where all of the intensity and focus is for both of us. And I am not going to do anything to go start waving at mom and that tell coach it's ready and get my hair stuck back up in my butt. I'm not going to do any of that. I need to be so engaged in that dog's head that both of us are lined up on that trajectory and we're going to go and nothing else, which means the dog is lined up straight to begin with. That the dog understands clearly because consistently my expectations never change. That's for my Michigander friends Never change. I want you to come in and line up on this leg perfectly and That clearly you know now the direction we're going. I am NOT going to this is for everybody I am NOT. I'm not running the blind or the mark. I'm not running the mark. So I'm not staring at the mark I am connected with my dog looking into their head to see when they are connected with the mark. I can look at that sucker all I want. I'm not the one going. So because I am firing this weapon, I am going to be looking through the scope of my weapon, which is that dog's head. Now their body needs to be lined up straight. If you don't train lined up straight, then don't listen to anything I'm saying, but they need to come in line straight, not argue with you about it big waste of energy takes all again. Now we're having coach come look at our hair and pulling our leotard down before we take off and maybe kill ourselves. We're not going to do any of that. They come in, they line up straight and I make sure they're lined up straight because I do know where that mark is. Right. And then they come in and I am in their head. I am looking at my dog. If you need to have a bush that's 13 feet out in front of you and that that's on the line you want to go and make sure they're lined up there and make sure that dog is engaged on this trajectory and they tell you, got it, pull the trigger. And so you don't talk a lot. Matter of fact, you do nothing but send them if you can. And, <laughs> and you, you pull the trigger on this thing. And if you weren't set and you weren't right, it's going to go wrong. And so then, and this is why to everybody, to all of us who compete and we're out there and I, I heard it this weekend and I see it all the time and I, shoot, I probably do it myself. I don't know, but because y- you got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of energy that is not aimed in the direction of this target when you do that. So the dog does some funny stuff. They don't go the right place. They weren't sure what you were communicating. So maybe they kind of mess up and then you get, you know, you hear the, I don't understand. He never does that in training. (laughs) That's because you got a different energy set with you when you're running them in training than when you're running them in a test. You got a little more stuff going on. You got more emotion. Maybe you're nervous. So you're not as, as uh, accurate and as calm on the line as you would be. And It's not the dog. It's not the dog. It's you and it's all these guys do and I'll say this Remember this one When you when somebody goes up to the line to run something or goes out in the upland field either way when they go up there to do that that dog is a Direct reflection of what is happening inside of that person That's what they are. So when they go do something screwball There was something screwball going on with that person could be nerves, could be lack of confidence, uh, could be just some fear or some, it could be a lot of things, but something wasn't right. And so we didn't have this single intensity on the part of both of them, clearly understanding what the objective was, lining that barrel up correctly or the scope or whatever you want to say, and then pulling the trigger. Something wasn't right. So the shot went funny and you can't blame the gun, assuming you sighted it in, which is training. Assume you have this dog training. It was you. So it's always you. So there are many things that we can do to get a little bit better at this. And I will say, and I have watched some great, 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 great dog handlers. And I'm telling you, they are so in that moment with that dog, they are so, it is a one thing up there. It is a one, you know, I've seen when people, you know, at, at the national open and the national amateur, man, and it is, it is crunch time and boy, that end objective is everything. And it's just a beautiful sight to watch. There's no noise. There's not this big bunch of movement. It's just such a simple, it's just like watching, you know, the Olympic athlete before they just go do the greatest performance of their life. And it's because of that intensity and the preparation and that all of the energy is directed for one thing and that's to hit that target, to hit that ultimate objective. And if you look maybe a little bit more at the work you do every day with that preparation in mind. So the shot putter, right? The shot putter does not go out and practice wrong. He does not go out and practice the, the spin, again, I don't, I'm not a shot I should pick stuff that I did so I could actually speak like I know what I was talking about. But they, when they go do that spin thing that they do and they get that torque going on the shot put in the release at just the right time, they practice it as perf- with as much perfection every single time, because to practice something wrong hurts them. You practice wrong. You practice the release at the wrong time. I mean, you gotta learn, you don't start perfect, but the goal is perfect. The goal is to be as perfect as possible on every time you do one of those throws. Same thing with the gymnast. They don't go do it, oh kinda. Well, we. I almost made a full rotation. They don't do that, right? They do it as perfectly as they can every time. Now, this might seem strange to some people, that's how I feel about dog training. When I take little G, you know, my little <clears throat> four and a half, almost five now, five month old puppy. When we go out and do stuff, I'm not all sloppy. She can't wriggle. I you know I, I still, when it's exciting, I still have to put my uh, foot down on her tail and I'm going to do it. I'm not going to go, rats, got away from me. Look at her. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make sure every time she sits still when she wants a mark go down. So that sitting still and never moving and just staring at it is what she practices all the time because that's what I want when she, you know, gets her four time. I'm hoping gets her master hunter title, wins a field trial, all this stuff I would love to see this little dog do requires that all of the energy be directed towards that target out there. You know, the last bird of the triple, the first bird of the triple, the short double blind, the long double blind the bird in the upland field, you found it. Don't move. And also don't move it. Don't move when it flies. Don't move. You're done. I'm not going to argue out there. We're going to practice as perfectly as we can all the time. But to do that requires that we are engaged in that mindset. And in that mindset, now I'm just lecturing here and I apologize, but in that mindset, you can't have, you can't have frustration does not belong in there. Nobody's going to go shoot this fancy, fancy rifle to, you know, these amazing things that these people do. They're not going to go do it when they just had a terrible fight with somebody and they're just madder and heck. It, it, it's not going to go well, right? You can't do that. You can't go practice your shot put after you have a hangover. So you have to go, you have to be as perfect as you can possibly be to even Ask your dog to be as perfect as possible. And you've got to think of all the things that go in there. Uh, you got to break it down. You have to, in my opinion, running a dog on a a single, a single run. You should break that down. Like the shot put guys, you you know how they break that down. If, if they were, you know, or the gymnast, when they do something, yeah, they just, they go into like microscopic levels of looking at what they're doing and trying to make it be the very best possible. Now, how many steps? What distance? Exactly what distance? Not a foot. Maybe that's good. No, we're going to be one inch from the rim on this thing. We're going to do this. You're going to start your, your trajectory on the, on the gym, mat, exactly at this edge, exactly touching the edge of those white lines. That's where you're going to start it. And so when you're going to train your dog, we're going to walk up and you are going to be exactly lined up with my leg in exactly the direction that my hips are pointing and you're going to sit down and you aren't going to move. And if you engage with these dogs in that calm manner, they learn not to be looking around and looking at you and sniffing the ground. They're going to be sitting down and going, all right, it's got to be right out here in front of me. And you want that focus and then I again we don't want you staring at the mark going down. (laughs) Obviously you have to know where it is and then you know if you're just give it one look and make sure that it's right where it is but you need to be inside the head and heart of that dog. That is your weapon and you have to have that lined up exactly right and you have to have and not just the body you have to have that dog's intention and focus lined up exactly right and let it really just get the little red bead right where it needs to be and then pull the trigger and if you make that the way you do this all the time then that's what they're gonna do they're gonna do it in training when it's all by yourself and you're doing a hand throw or when you got a big training group and you got six marks out there and you can do three double doubles whatever you want It's still that same level of perfection on everyone. And if people make fun of you, take it as a compliment. Trust me on that. If you were around me, I would not be making fun of you. I would be thinking that you are amazing and you're going to be real successful. So that's approaching this dog training like that is very important. So again, I'm going to go, let's review. So a lot of talking. If you're walking up, you're going to just do three singles, right? You're just going to do three singles. You know, just get the, the marking good, but get this stuff going. So walk up so that they are set down in the right direction and they sit and they're done. If you're fighting that, okay, then you don't have basic obedience. So you have to get that somewhere else, not right here. Have your basic obedience so that they walk with you. They sit down and now if you train by yourself, if you have wingers and stuff, right, then you can get the little quack or you can get the noise if you have somebody out there in the beginning. You know, in the beginning with G right now, something needs to make a noise out there so that she goes, ah, it's out there. And then there, we're not going to have any more noise. I'm not going to then move her around. And I'm not, I don't move her at all. We come up, I make sure she sits down straight. So I just, I got to get this one. And what I see people do is they walk up and the dog cocks over 45 degrees and sits down. And it's like 45 degrees off. And then we go, well, I have to heal him back. No, don't let them sit wrong to begin with. I saved that so many times. Have a little tab, a little leash, something they can run the marks with. Have them come up and sit, have your basic obedience present so that they sit straight. And then when they look up, you know, if you want to cue them and say mark or whatever, you don't need to say mark, 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 mark. (laughs) Again, noise, 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 noise. If you have a cue to say, hey, we're going to be, Mark's going to be going down and you have a cue, say it one time, not again, because you want him to hear that one word and then just stare out there. That's focus. Mark, 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 Mark does not induce focus of any kind. Tell them to sit and don't say it five times. Tell them to sit like I do with G. Right? She's not all super trained. I tell her to sit. I have my foot over her tail. There, we're done. And she's going to be sitting. She's never going to learn. Oh, I get up and then she'll say it again. And then we turn the circles. Just sit. And if you keep your voice at a, a nice reasonable level, then there's nothing drawing them away from out there. But when you make noise, when you repeat things, when you're emotional, it pulls the focus off of out there and right to where the two of you are standing. That is not helpful to you at all. And mostly what I see is people that don't have basic obedience, so they're fighting that up there. And if you're not trained enough to come up and sit down and run a single, don't do it. Get your basic obedience so that you can. Now, I'm, I, similarly, I'm going to just go over to the whistle. I'm going to do the same thing with the whistle. A whistle is just like your voice. It is. It's just a way that carries further and can, can get through uh, the, the air that's conducting the sound, it can get through it better than your voice and further. That's why we use whistles. So make sure that when, just like <laughs> if I was talking to you, if I was talking to you and you're way out in the field and I'm, I'm yelling because I need you to move a little bit to the left to plant the blind. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'm going to yell out there. You're 200 yards out there. Okay, go a little to the left. And then you put it down. If you came back in close to me and I'm still yelling the same way, I'm still yelling, That is a really good place to put it. I mean, you're going to, you're very uncomfortable. One, I think, was she nuts? Is she deaf? What's the deal? But you're very uncomfortable. But if you come back in and you get within 10 feet of me and I go, that was a good job. Thank you. Then we're just really staying very focused on the work at hand. So folks with the whistle, <laughs> It's like a Hail Mary for people. It's like, please sit. You know, teach your dog basic obedience when you blow the whistle and they're at 70 yards, sit. Just teach them that. Don't make it how intensely screaming you are on the whistle. And when they're close, have a quiet whistle. Because otherwise you're screaming at them up close and that is a lot of energy wasted. You might need that energy when they're way out there at 160 yards. You might have to put a little more oomph into that. Then it's useful. Right next to you, it's obnoxious. And it's too much energy for the dog. And I don't know what they make of it, but it's not a positive thing. Unless that's what you do all the time. Then you have to scream. It's just like having kids. If the only time you make them follow through on something you told them to do is when you scream at them, then they're only going to do it when you scream at them. So you can use subtlety and quiet very, very much here and movement, but all of it requires good basic obedience. So if somebody doesn't have that, they can't go up there and really engage in this subtlety. They can't be like the Olympic athlete that goes up and this focus is entirely on the end objective and there is no wasted energy, not emotionally, not by noise, not by movement, it's just everything aimed at the end thing. So I'm going to offer that to everybody. It, it Once you do it and more of your energy gets you and the dog's energy gets focused on the target instead of on the preparation, it, you tend to be a whole lot more successful and they get very, very good at handling and marking when they're allowed to focus solely on that instead of all the craziness that, that we can do. So quick G update, I'm going to have some film on the Facebook page here, uh, shortly. We're going to, I guess we got snow coming again this weekend. So we're going to get our birds, uh, another bird exposure in, uh, this week. And I'm going to film that to see, you know, does she point for a minute like she did before or something else? Uh, so we'll see just so everybody, listen. if anybody that's, you know, on young bird, young dog and birds and stuff, you know, I just let her do whatever point chase, if she could have caught it, I would have let her catch it, whatever. And I'm going to do the same thing again. I Until this dog, as soon as we go anywhere that looks like a field, now I've got to reel her in because she's getting real intense on it. You know, then we'll I'll just see. But I don't have a lot of tools on her right now. I have on leash basic obedience. She comes when I call unless a bird's flying. Um, so I'm just still getting that bird contact going for her. No rules, no stuff. Uh, and I'm going to have that videoed. And then we'll talk about it on the the next podcast. So I hope that's helpful. It's, it only really applies to people that are real serious and you have to be very self reflective and you have to be, uh, comfortable being more like that Olympic athlete than somebody just having a good time on a Saturday. Um, in the end, do what you like most and makes you feel best because we're supposed to be enjoying this every day that we do it. So I give that to everybody. Uh, I hope everybody uh, has a very successful competitive season, those that are doing it. And uh, I hope people that are just training their hunting dogs are doing that because there's no downside to having those guys just slicked off really too. So I wish everybody the best. I'll have a Z update on the next one and I'll be back soon.